This might be the most popular Nightmare on Elm Street film. Forget about the quality for a second. Would you agree with me that it's probably maybe the most popular? I can agree to that. Like, there's always people talking about this movie. And I don't know if it's because it has Patricia Arquette, who's, I guess, like, sort of a big star in Hollywood. Well, they have a de- a pretty decent cast overall, especially with uh, the actor who plays Neil Gordon. I remember seeing him in a porno. Well, yeah. I mean, this sounds like an amazing <laughs> cast. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. You could at least shot it out an early, a very, very early Lawrence Fishburne. Or technically in the movie, they call him Larry Fishburne. Larry Fishburne, yes. But let's give him the uh, respect he so rightly deserves and call him Lawrence. Well, he would go on to be an esteemed actor in many, many good movies. Everybody has to start somewhere. We find out very quickly by watching these movies that a lot of these great actors start out in horror. It's pretty obvious now with Kevin Bacon, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, Mina DeBroff. That, that, that's a... Uh... I was... Some heavy hitter, and I was like, you know, Kevin Bacon, Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm tr- I'm That's to, who you come off with? To, well, I'm to trying to remember who played Mina, uh, the actress's name that played Mina in Fast and Furious. You know, the point here was to, like, name, like, super famous people. I don't they know. are. She is famous. We, we don't even know who she is, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Can either of us know, figure out who the hell is? No, because I think the person I named is the one from Vampire Diaries. <laughs> Uh, Nina, what's her face? Uh, sh- Do- Nina D- Dobrev? Dobrev? Yeah, she's from Future Diaries. She ain't even the one I'm trying to say. I Elijah mean, Wood. Elijah Wood, yeah. Um, who else? There's a lot of them, man. We're missing some obvious ones, actually. Right. Uh, okay, hold well, on. Le- the Leon- faculty. <laughs> if you want to count, Leonardo DiCaprio was in Critters Part 2, I think. Maybe Critters 3. That's cinematic match. Jordana Brewster. Yeah, but I don't want to count the faculty because that movie had like a rack of celebrities in it. Yeah, Jordana Brewster, Josh Hartnett. Uh, oh, but hey, there you go. Yeah. Josh Hartnett from Halloween H2O, though. Yeah. But my point is a lot of actors start out in horror, and Patricia Arquette is one of them. And and Lawrence Fishburne, obviously, is one of them also. So Are you uh, sure this was his first movie, though? I don't I know. I mean, he still looks to be in his late 20s in this movie. I got to check back on the credits, but I think it might actually said introducing Larry Fishburne. Okay. And if they use the word introducing, that would suggest it's his first movie. Yeah. I would bet, I would bet like 99% of his movies is credited as Lawrence Fishburne. So the fact this is Larry means maybe this got to be the first or second one. Yeah, it doesn't have that uh, the recognition to be called by his full, full title yet. But he's by far the most esteemed actor to appear in any of these movies, so that's pretty crazy. So, but I don't know if it's a cast, but I mean, this movie just, like I said, it's very, very popular. Even Robert England came out and said, he basically said that from his own, just, I guess, his own mental polling of talking to thousands of fans that he thinks that Dream Warriors is the favorite amongst the fans. I believe it is. I mean, you get the perfect... I don't think so. I think Freddy's dead. No? Maybe not? Give it a chance a little bit? Possible? Depends. I don't know if you like just maybe straight just, comedy. Just you and me, maybe. Right? We're, <laughs> we're standing on the side of the road holding that sign up saying, Freddy's dead. Freddy's dead. We won't respect. Freddy's dead. Maybe. You know what? You just jumped in a car and hitchhiked your way out, out of town, and now it's just me holding the, the, <laughs> me holding the sign saying, Freddy's dead. Yeah, Where did Nick I'm go? Sitting, yeah. Come back, Nick. I need a friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean, sitting next to Jim Halsey saying, you're going to drive, and I'm going to sit here. Yeah, you would just... When you'd rather go uh, kill Jim Halsey than stand on the side of the road and support Freddie. The thing is, me, so. I'm actually going to kill him and not fucking just toy with him. Well, remember, you want actually him to you actually want him to kill you, so you want to mess with him until he kills you. Do I you. look like Ruger Howard? No. Well, did you want an honest answer? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a compliment if, if you if you compare to that dude was a a Hollywood. No, you just insulted Ruger Howard. <laughs> oh, so you were actually defending Ruger Howard and dissing yourself. By me doing that. You were like... Yes, pretty much. You were like, I'm saying fuck you because 
You're dissing Ruger Hauer for comparing me to him. Yes. Well, All right, this went way off topic. <laughs> so anyways, okay, but no, okay, so my personal bias towards The only reason you defend Freddy's dead is because nobody else seems to like it except for me and you. At least I, I don't, and I don't understand it. <laughs> and I don't want to go on a Freddy's Dead tirade because that's a whole different podcast right. we will be doing soon. So I'll leave that alone for now. And we'll, we'll just stick by this seems to be the most popular one, even maybe more popular than the original, which is crazy. Yes and no. You got It depends on how you look at it because this movie definitely has the perfect meld between horror and comedy when it comes to Freddy itself. If you want straight horror, people are going to go straight to number one. Yeah, if you actually pulled up a random top 50 horror movie list like from entertainment weekly or some publication undoubtedly it'll have the first nightmare on elm street but it won't list this like mm. like the first one is, is like more of an um like an, more of an iconic movie basically it's going to be on all the lists basically but i think amongst fans and horror fans specifically and the nightmare fans <clears throat> they hold them like on the same level like both on the same pedestal pretty much oh yeah but in the mainstream they would probably credit the first one as being the the revolutionary horror movie amongst them. And also the actor that played uh, Neil Gordon was Craig Wasson. Craig Wasson. Okay. Couldn't remember his name. The only thing I saw him in was a movie called Body Double, and that might as well be a damn porno. Yeah. <clears throat> so Nightmare 3. So, I mean, we can give some very quick, easy context on this. At this point in the series, you had Nightmare 1 come out, did very well. Nightmare 2, despite no matter what you think about it, did very well at the box office. This that, movie did amazing at the that, box office. That set the stage for this one to have a bigger budget, better writers. Well, I mean, the budget wasn't as big. I mean, you said the second one only had a $3 million budget, right? Yes. This one had a 4.4 4 to $4.6 well, million. Those cheap bastards at New Line, after part two made them money, they came back with and a barely higher movie, budget. And this movie made them $44.8 million in the box office. You know, I don't know, I don't know off the top of my head, but... I damn sure hope that part four had a huge budget then based off the box office. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to it. Otherwise, those cheap bastards of New Line, man. I hope hope for part four that Robert England got a huge pay raise from whatever he made in part three. Forty-four million, you said, on a four million budget. Yes. Damn, that's a hell of a return. Okay. Yeah, that's 11 times. Now, how much of the box office do we credit to the awesome Dawkins song? Dream Warriors. Was that a hit song? I know there's a music video, but was it actually like a hit, though? I don't know. I'm not entirely sure if it was a hit, but the music video was definitely uh, fun to watch. I'm going to go ahead and just roughly credit $7 million in box office to Dokken. <laughs> Something tells me that I wouldn't put $7 million just for Dokken. I mean, because no on, one knew Dokken did the song until the movie came out. Yeah, but once they heard the song, <laughs> they told their friends about it. They saw the video on MTV, and then they were like, hey, Dokken. Let's go see the movie they're talking about in the song. I still feel like MTV wouldn't have even played this music, the music video. Well, by part four, Freddy was hella mainstream. There was action figures and dolls and MTV specials. But by part three, Freddy was still pretty not... Freddy was not necessarily the icon The icon yet. he... He was becoming the icon. Part three would help him, but he wasn't quite the icon yet. Which is weird, because to be honest with you, the movies from here technically do start taking a nosedive. Well, I think it works in part three's favor, because it's almost like the bigger Freddy gets, the worse the movie gets. <laughs> the worse Freddy himself gets, because part one, we were talking about part one, is like a damn scary-ass Freddy. Mm-hmm. He cracks a joke or two, but that's a pretty damn intimidating... Right, you're, so, you're still not laughing. You're still like, uh, get this fuck nugget away from me? Yeah, and and parts two, part two, which maybe we should just completely write off as not canon. Yeah. It's more of an oddball Freddy. So, the one thing I, me- I wanted to mention also is, so this movie technically takes place six years after the first. Okay. And, 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 then, but, and so they that, are, they're wiping... 
part two out of the canon, right? Yes and no, because technically part two happened five years after. So you could say if part two happened, this movie takes place one year after part two. Which is making me wonder why we don't hear anything about part two in this movie if it's canon. That's why I still don't think it's canon, because there's nothing that hints at that. It seems like, basically, they're like, whatever part two was, it's its own little world. We're picking back up with Nancy's story, bringing Heather Langkamp back. That, to me, is a clear sign that they're washing their hands with whatever that debacle was that was part two, although it was actually pretty entertaining. No, it's entertaining yeah, to I'll, I'll give you an example. If, I was, um, if I'm showing a new fan the series... And it's still going to be part one for me. No, 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 no. I know that. I'm I'm not skipping part one. I'm showing them part one, and then I'm like, they're like, let's watch the next one. I'm like, the next one, yeah. Slip in part three. I'm <laughs> <laughs> going from that part one ending with Nancy to part three with Nancy. I'm not being like, oh, the next one. Yeah, let's take this weird side turn into whatever part two is. It, it, are you sure the next movie is a side quest? So then I got any RPG lovers. I got to skip the opening credits where it says part three. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's part two. <laughs> yeah, it's part two. Yeah, and it starts with Kirsten making Nancy's house. It starts with her like doing arts and crafts and like being really bad at it. It's like I don't know what's uh, going on. Is she bad? Because she made it her own glue. Was she baking a cake at first? I thought she was like <laughs> putting cereal in a bowl or something. Like I don't, I I don't know. I've never made glue before, but apparently this is how you make glue. Well, they did that at summer camp, which, you know, I only know about from hearsay because I never went to summer camp. Because I can't, you're too I mean, busy running from Jason Voorhees. Well, yeah. Also, I can't swim. But I've never done this and you, you can't swim. I, I know we've addressed this many times. Are you really going to get hung up on that again? <laughs> you can't swim. Oh, my. I can't swim and it saved my life many times because I avoided many sea creatures and Jason by not going in the water, right? I'm, that's my story. I'm sticking okay, to it. Okay, me and you, one of these days, we're going to a beach and I'm throwing you in. Man, have you seen Jaws? Anyways, forget that. All right. She's making it. She's doing arts and crafts. She's making some glue. She's putting this house together, right? This little uh, miniature house. Of Nancy's old house. What the hell? Already, I'm like, I'm, huh? What? Puzzled? So this is could, you, could you make sense of this? No. In the, well, in the moment of the opening scene, I mean. In the moment of the opening scene, no. But it definitely shows you, it shows you that this house is going to be important. And by important, I mean all the dream sequences are now really taking place in this house. Maybe we could just take, take a stab at why this house is so important in the series. Why does Freddy obsessed with this house the people who live in this house he hunts the characters in this house so did freddie grow up in this house is that what we're, we're seeing here or something so what i from what i can understand at least from the sequels after this movie is everyone calls it freddie's house but in but from what i understand of the first movie that was not freddie's house to begin with well they never say it so if it is nothing in this nothing in the movie points us in that direction yeah, but nothing in the movie points us in the direction that it is. I mean, I guess he he now manifests in the house that he was first beaten in. That's probably maybe, what's trapping him in the house itself. Maybe that is the right theory because that actually would lend a lot of power to New Nightmare then. The idea that if Nancy is his ultimate foe and she defeated him, maybe just her having lived in the house and having first defeated him is like why he targets whoever lives in that house or why it's always that's the Elm Street house, the Freddy house. Right. But... They could have done a better job of spelling that out in the movie, though, as I'm saying. Kirsten, though, he makes it look like a suicide, so what, he can get all the Elm Street kids together in one place? I don't know, because he clearly... So this opening scene is very interesting, because... Well, for two reasons. First of all, yeah, we get the basically her in the, in the Elm Street house. We get her running into a creepy little girl on a bike who is like, Freddy's home! And then she's running with the kid in her arms. You didn't do it right, That's- 
Freddy's home. I'm not gonna lie. I had this round sound on. I was freaked out. <laughs> I heard that on. I was like, I've seen this movie and I'm scared. What the hell, man? Well, but, that's you, when you're I'm not too scared of getting in the water. Okay, but I'm not scared when she's running with the thing in its arms and you can see clearly it's a doll. Yeah, yeah. They didn't do a good job of like keeping a kid in her arm while she's running. Um, but well, to be honest, but let's be fair. Have you ever tried running with a eight, like a seven to eight year old car, cradled in your arms? When you're not, when your adrenaline's not pumping through you, you ain't doing it. Not that far. That's fine, but then don't write that scene because me seeing a doll bouncing up and down <laughs> her arms takes me out of the movie a little bit. But that said, she wakes up, everything's okay except she's still in a dream, and that's where Freddy comes out the mirror or turns the sink into like blades and. So yeah, he frames her for suicide attempt or something. Right, and or was he trying to kill her because her her, her wrist is slit? Yeah, but in order to kill her, that will keep someone alive. Going, if you wanted to kill her like that, he would go completely down the vein itself, where you cannot stitch that. Okay, so we can theorize here. Okay, her power, as we're gonna find out eventually later in the movie, but we can just talk about it now. Her power is that she can bring other people into her dreams. Right. Does Freddy know that she has this power? If he knows she has this power, it makes sense that he wants her to go to a hospital surrounded by the rest of the Elm Street kids. It's well, a brilliant plan then, from Freddy all of a sudden. So to be honest with you, with the since the other Elm Street kids are still the target of his uh, quote-unquote revenge, he should be able to get into their dreams no matter what, which we see with Philip, because Kirsten never brings him in the dream. Well, he's going to kill them anyways, but if he's thinking long-term... Because we see like part four of the future ones. Yeah, he, has he to loves have some... having someone who can bring people in the dream. Well, he kind of has to because his form of revenge is now technically over because all the kids, his parents that killed him, all those kids are dead. Yeah. He's gotten his revenge technically. So if he's thinking like, okay, he's thinking these last group of kids in the hospital, he's thinking when I kill them, okay, what do I do then? I, I can't do anything. So if he's thinking long term, he's like, oh, she can do that. Let me throw her, throw her in there and like, because... Because why else? The the biggest evidence of that is that he doesn't kill her. Right. He lets her live. Why? But here's the he, thing. He's using her for something. How would he know that she even had this power? Because she says she doesn't even know at this point. That's what. Yeah. The, that's and why I'm wondering. Even, she even says that the last time she used this power, she was like eight or nine, which Freddie was not would not have been dead at this point yet. Yeah, it's tricky because if she if he if Freddie does know, then it really does become like an amazing long term master plan. On <laughs> right. Part. But maybe not because. We find out in the hospital he has been haunting all their dreams without actually killing them, I guess. So this is one of those... Freddy seems to have these dreams like where he has the dreams where he kills people, but he has dreams where he's just specifically haunting them and not killing them. So it makes me wonder, is he just trying to get them all in one place or if he or is he prolonging it so he can continue having his fun? It's tricky. I don't know because like, yeah. So when the movie starts, everybody in the hospital, they've all been dreaming of Freddy, mm-hmm. but he's not killing them. So... Or they're or they're the lucky ones that are actually getting away before he gets the chance. Maybe Freddy actually has a formula in place. He's like, okay, what I do is like he's like Freddy school. He's like, what I do is I have them dream about me four times. On the fifth time, I kill him. Maybe has like some magical formula, like how he like he's like I haunt so them. So you're saying for... he's playing freaking chess with these kids? <laughs> Think about the kids in part one. Even they. They all had seen him in his dreams before he started killing them. At that point, they probably didn't have the power yet to actually kill him. Remember, power goes derives from their fear for, fear of him. Okay, so he scares them in his dreams until he, he recognizes that, oh, I have enough power to kill them now. Okay. That's never been spelled out, but that's actually probably the best surmisation of how, how his powers work. But I will say one other thing about this next scene. 
We get Lawrence Fishburne. Hey, buddy, that's Larry Fishburne. Called what, however he wants to be called. I'm just going by how his name is in the credits, though. But well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Mr. Lawrence Fishburne. I'm going to call him Morpheus, actually, because I think about the Matrix and Morpheus. I'm going to call him Max because that's his character's name. Hey, listen, Max <laughs> is very cool. And for the categories, I'll have a separate discussion about Max. I don't okay. want to go into it now because And then we get the our categories. pretty much our one. We actually get two one-take shots of this hallway that actually shows a good portion of the characters we're going to be dealing with in this movie. Yeah, you know, this hospital setting makes it very convenient to introduce the characters. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Dr. Gordon walking down the hallway, and as he's walking, of course, he happens to run into all our teen characters and kind of almost identifies their problem in, like, yep. two sentences. Yep. It's actually a, it's great writing, honestly. It's one of those ways of introducing characters fast so we can get to the carnage quicker. This movie does a great job of taking its time. Oh, yeah. They're, not, they're never in a rush to get to Freddy's next kill. They actually let the movie breathe, let the characters talk, and we get to know the characters. So I appreciate that. Yeah, we meet Dr. Gordon. We meet the the older nurse lady. who Dr. Up, Sims. Who's going to end up being basically, I guess, the closest thing to our human villain. Yeah, she has to be. I mean, what? She's just doing her job, really. I mean, in I'm hindsight, sorry. I can't blame her. She's, she's honestly doesn't know her damn job because whenever something happens, it's not, oh, let's try and fix this. No, it's sedate her. Well, listen, I mean, sometimes you work things out with with conversation and with, you know, whatever. But sometimes you go straight to sedation. She shouldn't be called Dr. Sims. She should be called Dr. Kevorkian. You know at what her favorite point. song is? You remember that song? It's like, I want to be sedated. <laughs> that, that's her. That's what she listened to on the way home from work. All right. Now, what's, what, what I uh, found interesting was that they're talking about this uh, new graduate student coming in. And he's complaining. Neil's like, I don't want some hotshot coming in here and doing all this stuff. Well, he's probably afraid that, you know, this one's coming in so that she can write a book. And then he gets Well, her- yeah. Wait, wait. So my thing is, all this, like, negativity towards it, what happens once he sees her and is attracted to her? All that shit goes out the window, doesn't it? It's called love at first sight, dude. Yeah. That, he, her, his first conversation with him is like, he's like, basically, I'm in love with you. <laughs> There's like... I just saw you complaining about the idea of her in the last scene. Well, he was expecting her to be some old hag like Dr. Sims. She's a, a, a fresh-faced graduate student. What do you expect? Some fresh-faced graduate students are in their 70s. They never bring it up again, like how his attitude was. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he changed his tune very quickly once he saw Nancy. Now, speak of that, we're introduced to Nancy, who, um, who thwarts Kristen's suicide attempt again i guess She's no she didn't go world. she wasn't going through a suicide attempt she was trying to keep them from putting her to sleep because they were trying to sedate her as an act of kindness she tried to serenade them with that damn freddie nursery rhyme the yep. one two three four just showing her vocals basically and they took offense to that and then one, two, freddie's coming for you <laughs> and then nancy walks in and finishes the rhyme for her yep because she couldn't remember the last damn line and neil must be like ha hey who are you <laughs> So here's a question. Uh, where do you think Neil is even from? Because he's obviously not from Elm Street if he doesn't know the nursery rhyme. How far is this hospital from Springwood? Because, I mean, this hospital's in Springwood, right? Yes. This puzzles me a little bit because did everything from part one get, like, just covered up completely? Like, it does not seem to be, like, a big deal yet that Freddy's, like, not a thing yet in Springwood. Remember, most of the movies, no, they we always have to get reintroduced to Freddy in, at some point, form or point, except for Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, where, they, where the entire town already knows of Freddy at this point, because all the kids are dead. I mean, in a way, Freddy vs. Jason explains this a little bit, because it seems like the parents are all trying to always, <laughs> the town's always trying to suppress anything that happens to Freddy. Well, yeah, because uh, fear gives Freddy power, so any form of communicating gives 
even some form of fear to these characters. I'm trying to remember if um well we'll get to it. I'm trying to remember if it's mentioned in this movie that like part one is basically all covered up. They don't mention it at all. Because I was looking for that. All they okay. all, the only thing they ever bring up about the first movie is Nancy saying her mom is her mom died and her and her dad were estranged after that. Okay. So you're right. Um okay, so let's let's suppose that Neil is like just very much into his job at the hospital and doesn't pay attention to anything else that happens in the town. So that's why he wouldn't hear about kids getting murdered. And it was like, also, it was, it was six years ago. Well, yeah. So let's say he transferred in three years ago. He still probably wouldn't have heard about it. Well, so. at that point, no. But that makes you wonder. Because, uh, yes, if we take the second movie out, then technically only three kids died inexplicably. Yes. So Nancy, of course, knows about it. And her father knows about it. But, yeah, maybe the general public of, of Springwood isn't uh, privy to that. So, so we'll give him a benefit of the doubt. Right. Because he doesn't know what the hell is going on. Right. Movie, so. so Neil decides to look up the uh, prescribed medicine to Nancy of Hypnosil. Hypnosil. This is the first movie that introduces Hypnosil to the... And I think it's the only movie until Freddy vs. Jason that brings in Hypnosil anyway. Does he look it up on a computer? Yes. This movie came out like in 1980. What? They still had computers. It's it funny. Only rich people had computers. It's funny because like that scene aged very well because that's exactly what would happen in today's <laughs> world. He's looking up on the... He motherfucker Googled it in 1985. He binged it in 1985. Amazing. Yeah, so, and then Kirst- uh, Kristen gets a... I always want to say Kirsten, because sometimes when you talk, hear the mother say her name, it's Kirsten. Other times, it's Kristen. You know, that mom was such a bad mom. She probably didn't actually know her name. Probably She's not. too busy getting drunk, so... Well, uh, so, now we get Freddy Snake. Freddy okay, Snake. Is- Freddy Snake does whatever a Freddy Snake does. Well, what it does is tries to eat Kristen, so... I'm going to ask this question because I already know the answer. Do you think they try to make this scene sexual? I don't know, but I got a feeling you're going to tell me why, you, why you're asking that. Well, because... What, what do you know? <laughs> what I know is that originally this scene was meant to be, in a sense, sexual. And the fact that Freddy was originally not meant to be a snake. He was meant to be a giant penis eating the girl. Well, that is very apparent in the scene. Now that you're saying that I'm thinking about the scene, how it plays out... Wow. And they also actually had to film the scene in reverse. Okay. I can believe that. And then pretty much, you know, set everything backwards so that way the the scene played out normally. Ah, very cool. <clears throat> you know, well, a lot of movies do that exact thing. Whatever the attention was, the, this was a cool-ass special effect. Mm-hmm. And this movie has a lot of special effects that are amazing. And Freddy Snake is up there with and, some of the best effects in the entire series. And you know what? So now if anyone ever has the question of why that scene seems to get people aroused, now you know. It was supposed it was meant to do that. I'm not sure everybody actually I'm, I'm not sure everybody gets aroused from that scene. <laughs> I can I can show you a review by Decker Decker Shadow right now and he would he literally asked that question. Am I supposed to be aroused right now? <laughs> no, I wasn't aroused. I was saying what the hell is going on? And believe it or not, that is an actual form of pornography called Vor. Really? Yes. Where people are literally being eaten, and for some reason it gets other people aroused. Well, dude, there's fetishes for everything. So there nothing, is. Nothing surprises me. When I saw all the damn food videos where, like, dudes were getting a million views for, like, eating a steak and cheese sandwich on, on, on right. tube. On so tube. here's another uh, good special effect that I've never heard anyone talk about. The barking pig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. That was actually pretty scary, too. <laughs> that it was, came out of nowhere. It was a good jump scare. Oh, yeah. You're just sitting there looking at the pig. All of a sudden, it's like, did that pig just bark? I know that's kind of interesting. You know, also, I, I find it interesting that um, that Freddy Snake actually recognizes Nancy. He's oh, like, yeah. He's like, you! Well, for one, you did it wrong. It's, 
You. No, yeah, he but, was pissed off when gotta, he saw her. But you got to add the phrase to you. Yeah, he was he was pissed off when he saw her. Well, <laughs> he was, but maybe okay. So if Freddie didn't know before, he knows now that, that Kristen did. can bring someone into a dream. This was the first thing of her bringing someone to a dream. Yep, and also he now knows Nancy's back in town. Nancy's back in town, and that means trouble for Freddie because she's one and zero against him so far. No, that means she's Fre- undefeated against. That all means Fred's Freddie's team. gunning for. Yeah, well, well, it's because now at this point, Freddie's stronger. Freddie's more imaginative about what he's doing. Yeah, and but, now she can't take his powers away from him. Yeah, but Nancy just stumbled upon a, a girl who can actually bring other people into her dreams. The next group session they have, she's like hyping it up. She's talking to Nancy. She's well, telling Kristen that hey, you you can bring people into dreams. So not in the group session. She was talking to her one on one. The first yes. the first group session we get. You know, the character Philip makes a pretty good point of why does no one seem to care that all these, they say it's a group psychosis, but how is it possible that all these characters are dreaming of the exact same guy in the exact, in every shape and form, exactly the same? So this is There would always be some form of differences if it was just a group psychosis. Right. So this is good writing because Philip basically is acting as the audience and the audience could easily... If that's not addressed, the audience could be like, hey, that's a, as many do these days, that's a logical plot hole error and bad writing. So Philip actually calling that out is very smart because that's about mine here. They're all dreaming about the same son of a bitch. Which and is why Philip like is also, Philip. which is why Philip also has to be the first to die. You know, I was just annoyed because I thought he was like going to be a central character because he's, he gets so much screen time in the first few minutes. I don't know what's with you and thinking everyone's a main character when they get some screen time in the first few minutes. First no. Tina, now Philip. Look, Nightmare is one series that really plays with those <laughs> cliches, I guess, because, I mean, there's a, there's a formula in place with most movies where they focus on the central characters and they get the most dialogue and the most screen time. The Nightmare series plays with that because yeah, they get you thinking that and they kill them off quick. Yeah, but this at least give, uh, gets rid of your uh, pet peeve of introducing a character just to kill them. Now we're getting introduced to characters, trying to get to know them, so that way we feel something when these characters die. Oh, I'm all for it. I mean, literally, when Philip dies here, we can talk about his death scene real quick. When he dies, though, this is the first time where I'm like, well, damn, I kind of feel bad for him. Oh, because one is a painful death. Yep. Just, and not even him falling and hitting the ground. That part's not that painful. That's the end to his pain. The pain was having his tendons coming out and being acted as a marionette puppet. That probably was pretty painful. And of course, you sorry, Philip. And of course, you get Kincaid's like trying to wake him up at first, and like, have a good stroll, asshole. Yeah, good job, Kincaid. <laughs> Great friend you are. Well, his whole thing was uh, with Philip was he's a sleepwalker, so it's not really that concerning seeing someone sleepwalk out of there. You'd think that his door would be locked. Yeah, but he walked out looking like how he walked out with his arms like ah. He Sleep, looked like he was being. Sleepwalkers do some crazy shit. He looked like he's being puppeteered. Sleepwalkers do some crazy shit. All right, well, but listen. you'd think that door would be locked. Well, listen, that's just just uh, strike one of Kincaid being an asshole. I mean, that's gonna come up time and time again. But so I don't really see Kincaid as an asshole because most of the times you you're probably gonna bring up he's an asshole. I'm gonna bring up that he's scared out of his mind and his only way he knows how to deal with things is through brute strength, which is why his dream power is strength. I see that basically his defense mechanism is to be aggressive in the face of being scared, basically. Mm-hmm. I get that. Because in the second group session, that that's literally what we see is how 
freaked out he is over the thought of his life's now in danger. No one's listening to him just because he's a kid. So his whole thing is, you know what? Fuck you. You're not going to do anything about it. I'm going to do something to myself. He's got a short fuse. I'll say it's Kincaid. No matter whatever I say about how he starts, he does get more likable with each scene he's in. So he has a good character arc, you could say, as he becomes more with the group. But in this in this particular case, though, asshole. Yeah, yeah. The um, sec- like I said, the second. Uh, well, I guess we're still talking about Philip's death. He walked right through a damn locked door. Yeah, what the hell, man? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes Freddy's powers are pretty unbelievable, man. Right. Like, okay. And also, that wasn't needed though. <laughs> Just like, why? Put that in there. At that point, to be honest with you, it would probably a little bit more. Understand that he probably wants to see all the characters see Phillips death, so they know the, so they get more fear into Freddy, so Freddy has more power on them. But holy shit, he could have done it without having them walk through that damn door. That's just you just looking at the audience and be like, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's how I felt. I was like, "Damn." I got my notebook. I'm writing notes. I'm like, I'm like, this is amazing. This is good. This is good. I was like, what? What? <laughs> Any critic watching was kind of like, what? what? Walked right through that door. Only because, like I said, like, sometimes they really stretch the rules of what Freddy can do. Like, yeah, because he's a dream demon, but sometimes he can apparently distort reality to make it where he can do something. Yeah. So, but, but anyways, painful death. Like the character. Um, and now we, and now the stakes is set for all the other act for all the other characters. And the second council, the second group scene is actually pretty amazing. And the fact that it shows a perfect mix of fear from all the kids, knowing that they're in danger and worry of the adults. Cause they're just trying to help them. And they're unfortunately, cause they don't really know except Nancy, they don't know what's going on except for these kids are all suicidal. We need to try and help them in that sense. So they have, the same worry in their faces over trying to save these kids. I think like this part of the movie is where like why this movie is so popular I think is because by this time when you have all the characters in the room like for a group session right you basically know something about each character you know they're all kind of like looking out for each other's best interests <clears throat> like you don't dislike any of the characters at this point but also like I don't know many movies like in the horror genre where they actually balance it out perfectly where like the adult characters and the teen characters like get like almost like equal character development. Mm-hmm. Like I, the adult Except characters Dr. have their Sums. yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the adult characters have their own plot basically. Teen characters have their own plots in a way also, but it all kind of blends together perfectly. And like you're just like man, this is like a solid group of characters here. Well, here goes another solid character about to meet her end. We get Jennifer's death. Well, listen, this is the price of ambition. So well, and also probably. The best ad-libbed line in the history of movies. Well, damn. I mean, you set that bar pretty high there, buddy. Uh, yeah, I did. You're damn right I did. You didn't, say, you didn't even say the series or horror movies. You said in all of movies. <laughs> well, yeah, because a lot of movies took from this damn movie this line. I mean, Freddy lifts her up as he becomes a TV. And if you, then Fred- if, you, if you don't know, folks, Nick is a huge, and I am too, but Nick's the biggest Robert England fan. <laughs> You're damn fucking right I am. So, as he lifts her up... The original scene was, congratulations, Jennifer, you're going to be on TV, and then shoves her in. However, uh, Robert Englund's like, nah, there's, there's just something's missing. And then he goes, welcome to prime time, bitch. Shoves her in. <laughs> Here's your big break. Remember that part, too? You know, you know, many would watch this scene, and they would 
if you're trying to figure out who to blame, they would point to Jennifer. So point, point to Freddie. I blame Max. <laughs> why? Why he let her stay up late? Well, here's the real question. She passed her curfew. Here's the real damn question. How does people still think this is a fucking suicide? Yeah, hold up. How did? Wait a minute. <laughs> they still classified this as a suicide, not a murder. I would understand if they classified it as a murder, but still didn't believe it was Freddy. Wait, hold on. Do they address this though? Because like, you're right. Okay, all everything. Freddy's clearly framing everything as suicides, right? Except for this damn scene. There's no way he could classify it. All right, let's say that she has like amazing jumping ability. (laughs) Jumped to the TV in a diving fashion, (laughs) and her head flew to the TV. No, maybe almost. She speared the TV. <laughs> she had a huge running... She went to the back of the room, a huge running head start. Jumped went, off the couch. And she yelled, I'm going to make it to Hollywood! And then right into the TV. No, Jumped but, off the couch and speared the TV like a WWE. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, afterwards... Did anybody afterwards actually like say like she committed suicide? No one actually said it, but you could definitely tell in the adults' faces that... They don't believe somebody killed her. Well, that's just stupid. I mean, that's most... So, okay, if that's what the movie's going for, then clearly every single death scene has to be, like, in the context of this could have been a suicide. Right, there's no way this this... could have been because there was nothing under her feet that she could have technically stood on. And also, who's going to commit suicide by shoving their face (laughs) in a TV? It's the most creative suicide ever, I mean. (laughs) I mean, seriously, that... that, I could... I guess she didn't like Shazai Gabor getting killed by Freddy. Like, I imagine Max walking in the room and just being like, man, she was really ambitious. <laughs> right. She told him she was going to be, man. But anyways, I mean, I got to say, that's probably, you're right. That's probably one of the best one-liners ever. One of the best death scenes ever. Mm. Because, I mean, Freddy's head comes off the TV. It's just, here's your big break. So also, now we get to meet probably one of the more most important characters in this movie. Our plot character. Uh-oh. Sister Mary Helena. Now, um, actually, I'll say this, though. She was actually, I appreciate that the movie did this. Way early in the movie, they show her. Right. They just, we just never actually meet her until now. I think, like, the first time that Neil talks to Nancy. <clears throat> is when he looks over and he sees Mary Helena just standing there staring at him. Yeah, so she's already basically revealing herself, but she would now be more in-depth, basically. Yes. So now she pretty much talks to her. I can't remember what she says in this one. I don't think she says anything too important in this scene because it's still at Jennifer's uh, grave. At the graveyard? Yeah. Nah, n- nothing yet substantial. You know, I mean, <clears throat> hey, I'll say this, though. We'll we'll get into more detail in a, in a few minutes, but there's, I mean, there's plot device characters like um, like Tony Todd in Final Destination. Yep. And the psychic woman and the Jupiter Creepers. Yep. There's ones that, like, just are random and don't make sense. This one actually will end up making sense in a oh, way yeah. that I can appreciate. But now she has a way; she has a reason to actually give us history. So, so now let's also go ahead and have Nancy finally revealed to the group because Doctor Sims is not there, so no one can make her sound insane. Oh, she about uh, to sound insane though. Still, uh, she reveals to Freddie. Uh, she reveals to the group to the group who Freddie technically is. And, and we're recapping part one, basically. Yep, yeah, pretty much. So we don't need to go over it again. And we find out that the events of the first movie takes place six years prior to this one. And this whole time while she's talking about this, they show Neil in the background and be like, yo, she is crazy. Oh, yeah. Ne- even, <laughs> I, I was going to date her. I'm not joke. doing it. So. Neil even made a joke. And she looked him in the eye and went, you said you'd keep an open mind. 
Neil's like, man, I had big plans for her, man. Another one bites the dust. (laughs) Right. Why do I always fall for the crazy ones? As soon as we're done getting killed here, I'm I'm not dating her at all. (laughs) Um, No, but yeah. Actually, the group is open to hearing about it because they're like, finally an adult who understands and is listening to us. But here's... Another thing I'm wondering, so they need to keep them from dreaming. Technically, the hypnosil should be coming there pretty shortly to give to the kids. Because they, because uh, Neil decided he was going to prescribe hypnosil to see what that does. So they decide hypnosis. I, I mean, I guess this is the scene where we also find out what dream powers are. Yeah, but this seems out of the scope of what they should be capable of, I guess. Or it seems out of the scope of what they should be doing. It seems risky. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it, you say it's a controlled environment, but once you go to sleep, you're in Freddy's realm now. Look, Freddy can get to you at any point. Forget Hidmasar, right? Just <laughs> hand out, just hand out uh, Dunkin' Donuts gift cards, all right? Yes. <laughs> They're going to need a lot of coffee. <laughs> Stay awake. Get that Dunkachino. So uh, they go to, they, they fall asleep. Joey gets lured by the hot nurse. You had one job, Joey, was to not get kidnapped. Well, he's our damsel in distress. Oh, okay. Because well. uh, he get he gets some he gets some freaky time with the nurse, and all of a sudden, she ends up she, not being a nurse. Yeah, she's Freddie. Well, she didn't she didn't go to any um she didn't go to an accredited medical school. Yeah, she she she's actually Freddie. She, she went. She tongued Freddie. She went to medical school. She went to medical school in Freddie's boiler room. Yes, she tongue, he tongued Freddie. Yep. <laughs> so everyone's now showing off their dream powers when Freddie decides, okay, enough's enough. Let's just crush everybody. We should talk about Freddy for a moment because Freddy is amazing in this movie because he's not super goofy. He's not super scary. He's that perfect mix, that perfect blend. Like, it's like a perfect slice of pizza in this movie, right? Not too much sauce, not too much cheese. The perfect mix of all the best ingredients. This might be the best Freddy in the series. I'm just saying. Okay. Would you you agree? I can agree to that. I can also agree that Joey's in a coma. I I just feel like, I would say this though, Freddy's... Freddy's M.O. is not to kidnap somebody, per se, but okay. But if he wants to lure them to his playground, in a sense, yeah, he's going to kidnap somebody. He's, ho- it, he's holding them hostage. Luck- yep. Lucky Joey, because his other friends just get killed, but he gets to be a damsel in distress. So, we also, so now this is where Mary Helena be- comes into a major point in this movie. Yep, so our friend Neil is... Doing some investigating and well, first Neil's getting kicked out of the hospital. He's he's losing his license. Well, the older nurse um, Sims betrayed him. Yep, threw him on the bus. Yep, made did something for career advancement on her part. Yep, but still, I think just ultimately did her job. So this is also where we finally find out Freddy's title in the rest of the movies from now on. He's the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. Wow, because his mother Amanda Krueger. Was trapped in the insane asylum uh, over the holidays. Get got raped hundreds of times by the inmates. They kept her for days. She when they finally found her, she was almost dead. What a backstory. Yep. And now came Freddy. And and now how to beat Freddy this time? Uh, you have to bury him in hollowed ground. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get to the hollow ground part. Around. I'll have to see the execution because on the surface that seems like a weak way to kill up a, a monstrous villain. But well, we'll get oh we'll get to that because we're almost at that point. So uh, this is the part where the where Sims shows off how much of an idiot she is because she's not a great doctor. Every single time something happens, her whole thing was sedate them. Well, I don't think in medical school that there was 
a certain chapter where they were like, all right, now we're going to talk about how to deal with Freddy Krueger. To her, to her defense, I'm just saying. But sedation? This also, every time? On the way to work, every time. I want to be sedated. You listen to that a hundred times. See if it doesn't influence your thinking. Okay, I got a better idea. Let's reintroduce probably one of the best cops in all of horror movies. Oh, you can't be talking about the one and only Mr. John Saxon. I am talking about John Saxon because he's back in this movie as a security <laughs> guard. <laughs> he's working at Denny's. He's a, he's a guard. He's walking, he's walking the perimeter of Denny's making sure that nothing nothing pops off. Exactly. He gets free pancakes. Exactly. So, you know, Neil we, and... We can hire him at Doom Donuts, so... To, yeah, so Neil and John look for Freddy's remains while Nancy goes... Straight to, to the bar to find her dad because she, she knows he's at the bar. Well... Neil and John, John Saxon, are now going to go look for Freddy. We're already past the bar because nothing oh, important happens did at we the bar. T- oh, I was going to talk about her meeting him and talking to him. Now. It wasn't really important because all he does is showboat and then... The, the one thing you could say, though, is that it does show how... Estranged they are? Yeah. If there was any thought of, our, is she close to their dad? No. No, because, you know, he pretty much becomes a drunk after the mother's death. Yeah. And so it's Neil, a big, it's a big fall from grace. Yeah, so he was, he was like the head cop, the town so, sheriff. So now the two main characters are now splitting apart to go pretty much tackle Freddy in their own way. I didn't love this because it felt like they were like a team, and now they're breaking the team up. Well, yeah, I see the purpose in like in the, in the, in the big picture, but. You would have liked to see them kind of stick together? I don't know. Yeah, well, if they did, to be honest, Nancy would be alive right now. Um, yeah, as as a couple, and even though he was pretty much probably done with her at this point, Yeah, I don't think they necessarily get a happy ending. So, Neil and John go look for Freddy's remains. Nancy goes back to the group to go into Dreamland to save Kristen. Because Kristen was sedated. They called oh, her, yes. They originally called her up saying, hey, Kristen's about to be going into Dreamland whether she likes it or not. Because Nurse Sims thought so, that, you know, they don't need stimulation, they need sleep yeah so now we get uh we find out freddie's remains were oh i guess we should probably talk about the church scene uh, nothing important happens but it is kind of funny where uh neil goes to the church takes the liquor bottle empties it and puts holy water in it steals across well you're gonna have to bury him and put holy water across his bones right well they have to bury him in hollowed ground so where they bury him i don't think it's hollow so that's where the holy water comes in yeah all right. Well, so they find, you find out they put Freddy's remains in a gr- car graveyard. Well, you know, <sighs> no one's going to find his remains there. I mean, you got to say they—that's going to keep it discreet. That's true. Uh, so Freddy separates the group that's in Dreamland, and this is where we get a really cool kill and a very not so cool kill. I'm gonna disagree <laughs> and say they're both very cool kills. So, Taren, but the first one is very very cool. Yeah. So Taryn's death. Freddie injects her with, after they fight, Freddie then injects her with heroin and she dies. They have a cool-ass little knife scene, knife fight scene, which is just, you think of the 80s when you when you see this. Right. Um. So, I, I was telling this earlier, that I thought that Taryn was maybe the main teenage character outside of Kristen. I'm surprised to see her die, especially since she had such a redeeming arc of having been a, a drug addict and overcoming that. And there's all afraid to come back and mess that whole redemption arc up and a- bring her back to drugs. So. A.K.A. You never get rid of drugs, people. Especially if Freddy's getting you high. So don't start it. Freddy had the, the nine needles all in, injecting at the same time. He's getting high. He's like, yep. ah! So it was a, a clever scene. And actually, the actress, she's proud of the scene because uh, she actually, after the movie, she had um, former drug addicts come up to her actually and said that 
her character was like an inspiration to them. So, so I well, thought. That's... So there's a good takeaway from it, I guess. Right. So. Well, and then we get Will's death, and this is where me and Vic definitely disagree. So... Well, listen. First of all, I thought maybe. Okay, so obviously, for, obviously, Will in the movie is a paraplegic. Right. Um, but it was self-inflicted para- paraplegic. He. Yeah, threw, from threw what himself. it sounds like, he threw himself off a roof or something like that. Regardless, I'm still sympathetic that he's in a wheelchair. And his You're dream- sympathetic that the guy from Friday the 13th Part 2 was in a wheelchair, too. What's with you and paraplegics? They shouldn't be mean the same uh, fate as other people are. <laughs> They're already living with shit, basically. Why? First of all, don't you bring it up Friday the 13th Part 2, all right? That was different. The man was about to have sex, and, and Jason came out of nowhere and put a damn machete in his head, and then he fell down the stairs <laughs> in the freezing rain. He got the most horrible death in the whole damn series. I don't want to get into that, all right? <laughs> <laughs> rant about that right this one listen to be fair at the time of his death in this one he wasn't a paraplegic he was in his dreams he was the wizard master so first what he was harry, he was harry potter what could have potentially been a cool death was the seat of death scene yes the freddy tries to get him in that seat and the kid blocks it and then becomes a wizard master because that's his dream power destroys the seat Cool. Then we, I'm expecting, okay, this is going to be a decent, you know, probably a fight slash chess match in a sense against Freddy. Yeah. Well, the kid shoots Freddy. With okay, light, cool. With lightning, right? With lightning, yeah. Yep. Which is cool. And then the kid runs to Freddy. You know, with a ranged attack, you should not be going close to your enemy. Nope. Because uh, this is why. Freddy is so pissed off. And I'll, I'm going to quote my wife. Freddy's so pissed off, he's not even torturing this guy. He's putting him out of his fucking misery. Yep. <laughs> now, that's bad when Freddy doesn't even want to play with you. Freddy has a classic line here, too. Sorry, kid. I don't believe in fairy tales. Yep. And just stabs him, right? Freddy's like, look, I got to move on. This is taking too long. <laughs> right. I think Freddy was just like, you know, budging five minutes for each kill. He's like, okay, this is taking way too long. I'm just going to stab your ass and move on, right? <laughs> you little punk. It doesn't cost me an extra three minutes. So... <laughs> so- uh, finally, the group, the rest of the group really meets back up and Kincaid starts taunting Freddy because now, and, and again, something my wife says, my milkshake song popped into Amelia's head when he was taunting Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She just, all of a sudden we were watching a movie and she just busts out laughing at Kincaid taunting her. I was like, what's going on? My milkshake's bringing all the boys to the <laughs> I, you know. Okay, we haven't talked we we talk about Kincaid in a while, but I thought he was about to die here because I was like, okay, now it's his turn. I wasn't thinking he was going to be one of the last people because nothing suggested he would be in that group. So. Right. And do you actually need him to survive? No. I mean, the problem, the thing is, he kind of ferment, fermented actually his survival when he gets back together with the group. Notice how Freddy was only killing people one-on-one. Do they acknowledge um, the deaths of Taryn and... Nope. For the when they come back together, isn't there a, hey, where's the rest of the group? So there was a, we need to find the rest, and that's when Kincaid just starts taunting them. Okay, I gotta say, I don't like that. <laughs> you think they're... You're missing two of the group, and they're so close to that point, there should be like a, a moment of, oh, well, he already took out some of us. Or okay, at least well, Freddy could have just said something. I was like, yeah, the, the other two, I wouldn't expect them back. Freddy should have, like, when he's taunting them, could have been like, Two down, four to go. It's a simple thing for them to be like, oh, shit. Yep. And oh, then, whatever. so, 
<clears throat> Nancy should also watch what she says to Freddy. Remember what she says right before to Freddy when she sees Joey and Freddy? She's like, hey, can you believe how big of a star Giant Depp became? And I'm like, damn. They really, really brought it up. That's pretty meta. So. so, no. What she says is, let him go, you son of a bitch. She asked Freddy, she said, hey, the end of part one, was that a dream sequence? Was the whole movie a dream? Can you explain this to me? I'm going to throw something <laughs> at you. Nancy tells him, let him go, you son of a bitch. Joey's over a fucking hell pit. <laughs> Good job, Nancy. <laughs> Freddy's just like, oh, your wish is my command. Oh, man. Be Starts careful letting the tongue rope fall. Be careful what you wish for, Nancy. Yes. And this is also where we find out that the soul... So he needs fear to give him power enough to kill. The souls of his victims gives him power to continue on. And that is explored a lot in the series going forward, too. Uh, can we talk about the... The skeleton, Freddy. Oh my gosh! I mean, we got to bring it up because we both have a. So it wasn't wasn't exactly our favorite part of the movie. So Freddy somehow takes over his skeleton to stop John and Neil from burying him. And the Freddy skeleton is very adapted at kung fu and because he's kicking ass <laughs> and, and, and shovel play. He's beating ass, man. And also, uh, apparently, Freddy decided to be mean to John and stab him, stab him in the inner thigh. It looked like. Yeah, man. So poor, also, poor John Saxon. Think about the the fall from grace. Uh, town sheriff, um, local security guard Denny's, uh, killed in the graveyard. Yeah, damn. And not even a graveyard. Actually, this is what I want to bring up. He, they say he has to be buried in hollowed ground. Throwing holy water on somebody in on, regular dirt on Joe at Joe's auto body shop didn't didn't do for is you. It's not hollowed <laughs> ground, people. Jimmy Joe's auto body shop didn't do for you. Hollowed ground is. Literally, the ground that has been blessed by a priest or whatever you believe in to make it to where that spirit has laid to rest and will find peace in the afterlife. Wait a minute, though. To be fair, what you've done is you've explained why it's so easy for Freddy to come back in part four. Exactly. Because it's all bullshit. Exactly. (laughs) This is a temporary defeat for Freddy. So, again, hollowed ground. Holy water on dirt does not make hollowed ground. Okay, so let's talk about this. If Freddy's dying, he's taking Nancy with him. Freddy really should not have lost this movie. Well, he did, all right? Because, I don't know how. Because they only had a certain runtime and a certain budget. And this is- so Freddy kills. <laughs> so Freddy and Neil's stupidity kills Nancy. Yeah. Because Na- Freddy comes back. We get our mirror scene. Joey's special power is talking, which is not really a power. This is kind of surprising <laughs> me because, like, at this point, they got to be thinking... More sequels, series, more more sequels. Not, unless Heather Langkamp requested to be killed off, I would think there's some utility in keeping her alive. She probably did request to be killed off because around because around sometime between the first and the this movie, she did have a pretty nasty stalker after the first ah. Nightmare on Elm Street movie, which they also do explore a little bit in the meta movie Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, because like, yeah, I would. They kill her and John Saxon officer. They're killing off all the connective tissue from the first one. Yeah, um, and like I said, Fre- Freddy uh, finally gets his revenge in killing Nancy. So and, maybe actually, in a in a weird way, Freddy won. Oh yeah, well, Freddy should have killed the others because again. Ha- oh, he will. Yeah. For our audience that hasn't seen part four, it's it's coming. No. Yeah. So. <laughs> These dream warriors aren't going to be dream warriors for long. So. Yeah. So you know, Neil puts Freddy in the dirt. Hits him with holy water. Freddy explodes. Don't ask how. 
Literally explodes. Yep. And then we find out. There's a, a nice little twist here at the end, though. Yep. Mary Helena was actually Amanda Kruger. This is what I was saying. Her, she's no longer she's no longer a plot device. It actually makes sense that she would know about Freddy's history because who would know more about him than his mother? Yep. But also, another, and now now I have no problem with it. Yep. And also another plot twist: Neil has the house and has the little doll that Nancy brought up that's supposed to give him good dreams. Well, the house, the light turns on. So, yeah, Freddy's still alive, like I suspected. And you know what? Neil's probably dead. You know, that's funny because we were talking about the story, too. It's like, for me, this movie has like a lot of main characters. Some people look back and think that Kristen's the main character in the movie. I don't think Kristen's the main character at all. We barely know anything about her. Yeah, it's Neil. Really, Kristen was the uh, a flat character to give all the other characters their character development. Like the cold dude from the new Mortal Kombat movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say that... The movie basically follows Neil's story. Yeah, so... so and it's, then, it's disappointing we don't see Neil in the sequels. Right, so. and then we get probably the most... One of the badass, most badass scenes or musics that's derived from Nightmare on Elm Street. Dokken. Dokken. Dream Warriors by Dokken. Over the, over the end credits. Yes. Amazing. If you, if you don't even watch the movie, just skip to the end credits and watch the Dokken. <laughs> no, but watch the movie. Or just go on Spotify, type in Dream Warriors Dokken, and you'll find it there. Or YouTube. Um. Wow. Yeah, but I I would like to see Neil come back in some sequels because he didn't die here, and he, the fact that Amanda Kruger revealed him re, revealed herself to him specifically means there's some meaning to his character. I feel like, but yeah, well, it never gets explored. That won't be explored like many things in the series. All right, let's go to our categories. Okay, so you can go first because you're probably gonna hate my best performance. My best performance, man. It's tough, man. I'm in the borderline, believe it or not, between like Taryn and and Neil, which is like I don't think Na- Nancy. I don't think Helen Hamm does. I don't think she does a a bad job, but her acting is not really there in this movie, to be honest. Um, I could say Amanda Kruger. No, no, that'd be so. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm gonna go. Man, it's tough. They're all really good. Man, maybe Kincaid. <laughs> I love the actor. I'm not even though I think the character's an asshole, the, the actor brings the energy to the movie. Right. Alright, well who am I kidding? Robert England, of course. I mean, are we doing the thing? Are we taking Freddie out of it or are we just I thought Freddy? we were taking Freddie out of it. Alright, if we're taking Freddie out of it, I'm gonna go with the girl who plays Taryn because I think that she uh, does a good job and she actually has like a lot of weight to her character. So So for me, it's I'm doing Kincaid. I was thinking that. Because so. he act because you know, he showed in multiple scenes, the right amount of fear and worry along with the false bravado a character like him would be showing. Yeah, so cool. he and he, he also had, besides Freddie, he had some of the best one-liners, too. He had me cracking up with a few of his lines. Yeah, I think... I like think, uh, when Sims even says, like, it's your sexual pref- it's your sexual frustration that's causing you all to have all these bad dreams. And he's like, oh, so now it's my dick that's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the second best line of the... the uh, the uh, welcome to prime time. I, I I'm not hating on that. That was actually I was gonna go towards that too. I think in case probably the standout. The reason why even I'm saying he's an asshole, it's like well that means he had left an impression on me. So. Right. Um, so all right. do you have a worst performance? John Saxon? <laughs> no, no. I think it's the worst. But he's he's not giving much to do. It's definitely a big drop off from like the earlier movies. I think um man it's tough. I'm gonna say Joey. Definitely Joey. I just. The character of Joey to me was like basically useless. I know that he had the screaming power, but right. If um, I had to eliminate somebody from the movie, it would be Joey 
damsel in distress who got himself kidnapped. So for me, worst performance, I would have to go ahead and say the nurse because uh, the Sims. No, she's the one I would. Want oh, to the eliminate. nurse, nurse. Yeah, the nurse, nurse. The uh, nurse Freddy Parker. Nurse. Yeah, because she she was just. You could definitely tell acting was not her first profession. Uh, but if I'm going to have to eliminate a character, it's Sims. Yeah, I mean... Because, again, what did she do the whole movie? Said date him, said date him, sedation for everybody! True. Is there a character who, um... Character or storyline that you would have liked to see? So, more? explored more? I would have to say the su- uh, all the different suicides. Because, yes, Neil brings up that there was one suicide, which, believe it or not, is actually something Wes Craven read about what happened in China. A bunch of kids were having a mass psychosis and having different nightmares. One kid actually cut off his eyelids to stay awake, died in the process. But I would still want to hear, hear more about the suicides as making this all seem like it's an actual pandemic going on between the kids. True. Good point. I, um, <clears throat> I want to talk about, um, Lawrence Fishburne for a second because I thought he got enough screen time to where you actually could he actually warranted either a death scene or like some more with his character towards the end. He's in the movie pretty steady throughout the entire movie mm. and then he kind of disappears from the movie. I'm not saying he he has to like have an epic death scene, but he could have been a little more involved again. Or actually. he could have came in and saved him at the end and be like, "I already knew who Freddy was this whole time." Yeah, I feel like him disappearing from the movie is a little bit disappointing. Like for me the best scene was like a second group session. Yeah. Like I said, it showed the perfect, the perfect amount of fear and w- fear of the kids and worrying the adults. Yeah, that was a good scene, and I'm gonna go with, of course, the welcome to primetime TV scene. <laughs> and that's like just the best. That's maybe the best that scene in the series. So I gotta, I gotta go with that. Um, worst scene. Worst scene. I'm Will's gonna, death. Um, see, I like Will's death. I'm gonna go with uh, with uh, skeleton Freddy in the graveyard. <laughs> Everything in the graveyard, from the time they get there to like. You know, burying the bones, just all. Just, but also, how come just it seems get rid of that whole supply and just have Neil out of the hospital? How come it seems to take them hours to actually find the damn thing? Well, dude was drunk, so maybe he just couldn't. <laughs> he was like, "Ted's auto body shop, Jim's auto body shop." No, I buried it at the back of Denny's. Who knows? <laughs> they probably stopped for pancakes. Let's be honest. Oh, probably. All right, final thoughts. Final thoughts is. Movie had some great characters, great one-liners. It had a pretty intense uh, setting in the hospital scene because now these characters really can't escape. And not only that, but now you they did a lot to the house. They did a lot with Freddy's imagination on how he can use these dreams to torture and kill people. Overall, I'm giving this movie the same thing I gave part one as a three and a half out of four. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I think that, ultimately, I think I actually like it slightly better than the first one. They're on the same level, I would say. And this one has probably the best characters in the series. It has the best Freddy in the series to me. Uh, The special effects are all top-notch. The writing is logical. I said, you care about the characters. I care about when Terran died. Even when he killed a little wizard master kid, I was still kind of like, damn, the man just wanted to walk again. (laughs) But, um... Yeah, I'm going to go with three and a half stars also. I think it's like actually an ideal horror movie. Yeah, and if it's, it did It has a little bit of humor, but a lot of horror humor. And if Will's death, for me, made more sense and not ran at him, like maybe as he hit Freddy, he didn't move, so Freddy somehow materialized behind him and killed him that way, that would be one story. But he had him running at him. That's the part that pissed me off. And if it didn't have the skeleton scene. Well, and also if the damn... If, um, 
if Philip wasn't walking through the damn locked door. So <laughs> yeah, so really, those three things is for me is what's keeping it from being four stars. Pretty much perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's basically like I said, if there's not too many flaws in this movie, like you have to nitpick to like, and we are sort of nitpicking, but it's. If I'm not, if I'm gonna call it a perfect movie, then I have to nitpick and right. say that if there's things that bring it down from perfect. So it's not perfect, but man, this is like this is a good time. Man. I mean, hell, even with Philip walking through the uh, that door, I still wouldn't have given that too much of an issue if the other two issues were not in this movie. Yeah, I just, I just think that um, I don't know. I mean, I, like I, said, I think it's pretty much. For for Freddy movies, it's gonna be as close to a definitive Freddy movie as you're gonna find. So, right. if you had to watch one Freddy movie, Gun to My Head, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three, one Freddy song, and Dockin, baby. <laughs> all right. Well, Freddy's Dead had a pretty decent song in it too. They all have good songs. Yeah. Part Four soundtrack, Tuesday Night, the girl who plays Chris, Kristen has a great song yep. uh, called Nightmare. Um, it will be doing that pretty soon, Nightmare Four, which will pre- pretty much unravel a lot of from Part Three because <laughs> some of our main characters from this one. Don't exactly get a lot of respect the next one. So, all right. But until then, though, do not take any hypnosil. And if you are a town sheriff, then don't get demoted down to Denny's security guard. And also remember, if you have a dog, don't bring your dog into your dream because that dog will probably piss on Freddy's grave and revive him with fire. Oh, that's true. Yes, absolutely. That's true. I know I should not bring that up because that's a fourth movie kind of thing. But you know, fuck that. (laughs) Yeah, and also finally as well. You know, if you see like a ghostly looking nun, she may actually have good advice to give you. Yeah, especially if you're having really weird nightmares. You, you might want to get those checked out, buddy. I got a son urge to go to Denny's, so we're gone. See ya. Take care.